missed Sunday school this morning, you missed a good portion of Scripture. Uh, the, the portion of Scripture was Ezekiel 27. It talked about the dry bones, and it compared Israel to the dry bones. Uh, it, it basically talked about the fact that because of Israel's ungodliness, idolatry, Israel was in a sad state uh, because of the idolatry and so on. The northern kingdom went into exile in 722. The southern kingdom I had three exiles, 605, 597. The final one was 586. And they just weren't doing well at all. They were like a bunch of dry bones, and there was hopelessness. But what Ezekiel did, according to the commandment of God, was to prophesy in the dry bones. They came to life. And breath was put in them. And they were restored. We can compare it to Ephesians chapter 2, a portion of Scripture that probably we're fairly familiar with. It talks about the fact that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. That we are children of wrath. That we are, we are influenced by the world, by Satan, and by the flesh. I think sometimes we forget that not only is God a God of love, but he's a God of Wrath. He loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we can have everlasting life. But our ungodliness deserves the wrath of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4 it says, But God who is rich in mercy because of his love toward us, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. For by grace are you saved through faith that it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We have salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. He makes us alive. He makes us new creations because of his love for us. So again, you missed a good lesson this morning. I encourage you to, if you're not going to a Sunday school life group, to check into it. And, and in the bulletin there is a link if you can't go to Sunday school or, or if you're watching from home. Uh, Ronnie teaches a Sunday school lesson each week, and you can find it on the link which is on the bulletin. If you have questions about that, feel free to call the church office. You know, as we think about the fact that God makes us alive, he did it through the gospel, uh, through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And the Lord's Supper is an opportunity to celebrate what Jesus did on on the cross, the fact that his body was broken, his blood was shed so that we might have forgiveness. But it's not just a matter of receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. We're supposed to live for him. Last week we talked about Jesus' goal, which was to fulfill all righteousness. That's the main reason he wanted to be baptized, so that he could fulfill all righteousness, so that he could please the Father. And that's what we need to want to do, is to fulfill all righteousness and please the Father. We need to have the same attitude that Jesus had, Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5 and respond to temptation like Jesus responded. I think it's interesting that the next chapter talks about the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 4. We'll read verses 1 through 11. Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word, we pray that you will teach us what we need to know about overcoming temptation. Lord, when we face temptation, help us to to take advantage of the way to escape that you provide for us. We're grateful for that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think there are several observations about this portion of Scripture. It's a portion of Scripture we've seen many times. The first observation is this. All of us face temptation temptations. Wouldn't you agree with that? Has anybody here never been tempted? I got a feeling that all of us would respond to the positive. We have been tempted. When Jesus was tempted, what he did is he quoted scripture. And when we face temptation, we should have the same kind of perspective. We need to quote scripture as well. I think it's important for us to recognize that just quoting a verse doesn't make us godly. Just quoting a verse does not help us to overcome temptation. We can have it in our head, but not in our heart. But it's important for us to to make sure that we respond to temptation like Jesus does. All of us face temptation. Verse number one, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. There's a portion of Scripture that goes along with that in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15. Where, where it says we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched or sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was tempted. He never sinned. We are tempted as well. We need to respond to temptation like Jesus responded to temptation. I think that sometimes we... We have a tendency to get to a point where we think, well, I'm, I'm a pretty spiritual person. I'm not going to be tempted. I, 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 if I am tempted, I can handle it. But think about it like this. Jesus was tempted. And if Jesus was tempted, we certainly will be tempted as well. That's number one. Very simple. All of us face temptation. Number two, Satan knows the buttons to push. Wouldn't you agree with that? As you think about the the temptations that come your way, isn't it true that he sort of, he, he, he makes it where they are just right for us. The temptation is just right, so to speak, so that we will give in to the temptation. He knows our situations. He knows what buttons to push. He knows what will get us to fall to temptation. And he uses those buttons. Look at verse number two. And when Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Afterward, he was hungry. I guess most of us, if we fasted 40 days and 40 nights, would be hungry. And as, as we think about that, it leads to the next verse where Satan dealt with Jesus' hunger in his temptation. 
he knew that that might be a possible weakness that Jesus might have and that Jesus might give in to temptation because he was so hungry. And I believe that God knows what's going on in our lives. He, he knows what rubs us the wrong way. He knows the relationship issues that, that get the best of us. He, he knows uh, what temptations face us and, and, and what our situations are. And Satan knows what buttons to push. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians, <clears throat> excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 11 that talks about the importance of forgiveness. It talks about the fact that instead of being bitter, we need to forgive one another. And then Paul had this commentary in 2 Corinthians 1.11. We are not ignorant of his devices, of Satan's devices. In other words, we have an idea of what Satan is up to. And sometimes we don't think about it. We just go ahead and give in to temptation without even thinking about the fact that Satan knows what buttons to push. But the reality is that Satan has a strategy. And Satan wants to mess us up. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And we need to understand his strategy and his devices. Satan knows the buttons to push. I think the first two truths are, are evident. All of us face temptation. Would you all agree with that? Number two, Satan knows the buttons to push. Number three is probably the most important point from this portion of Scripture. We can overcome temptation as we quote Scripture. And like I said, that's when we internalize it, when we make it a part of our lives, when we memorize, uh, then we can overcome temptation. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. When he was tempted, three times he said, it is written. I think it's important for us to recognize that, uh, that Jesus knew Scripture. Even as a 12-year-old, he was in the temple talking to the chief priests and scribes and so on about the Word of God. He spent time in God's Word. He saturated himself with Scripture, and we ought to be doing the same thing. We should delight in the law of the Lord, meditate in it day and night, Psalm chapter 1. Because when we do, it makes a difference in our lives. When we do, it helps us to overcome temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 talks about temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 gives us a warning. It says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And then says, no temptation has overtaken you except as such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way to escape that you may be able to bear it. In other words, all of us are tempted, but when we're tempted, God is faithful and he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able to handle. He will give us a way to escape, or some translations say, he will give us the way to escape. One way to escape is to quote scripture. Now why do we need to do that? It's because temptation is real. Temptation is serious. Temptation has consequences. The wages of sin is death. We see that in Genesis chapter 3. You're familiar with that portion of Scripture. Uh, Satan approaches Eve, and he tries to get her to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And what Satan does is he tries to instill doubt toward God 
in Eve's heart. And, and he, he says, he says um, in verse number 4, You'll not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And that sounded good to Eve. It says in verse number 6, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Satan basically had three strategies in this particular portion of Scripture. When she saw that it was good for food, number one. Number two, that it was pleasant to the eyes. And then number three, a, a tree that desirable to make one wise. That did her in. And she took of the fruit and she ate it. And of course there were consequences to that first sin. John warns of that in 1 John chapter 2. Very familiar portion of scripture. 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. We have a choice. Are we going to love the world? And do what the world wants us to do? Or are we going to love God and do what God wants us to do? All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. Well, that fruit was good for food in Genesis chapter 3. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 6, it indicated that it was a tree desire, excuse me, it was pleasant to the eyes. And then the pride of life. It was desirable to make one wise. Isn't it interesting that John addresses the three issues that Eve faced in the Garden of Eden? We need to make sure we're not loving the world. We're loving God instead. And that we are weary of Satan trying to take advantage of the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of the life. The world's passing away, the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. There are good consequences to obeying God. There are negative consequences to disobeying God. Well, Satan used the same strategy on Jesus, did he not? As you look back again to Matthew chapter 4, we, we see that Satan deals with those three things. First of all, the lust of the flesh. Verse number 3, now... The tempter came to him. He said, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Remember, Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and and he was hungry. And it would just make sense that Jesus, who could do anything, could make these stones bread. Remember what he did with the five loaves and two fish? He fed 5,000 people plus women and children. And he could have certainly taken care of this making The stones become bread. But the problem was, it was not God's will. God's will was not that he give in to the lust of the flesh. And so Jesus responded by saying, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus' focus was not on the physical as much as it was on the spiritual. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be for us as well? It doesn't mean that we totally neglect the physical. 
What it means is that we give priority to the spiritual. And for Jesus, more important than eating after fasting 40 days and 40 nights was doing God's will and and making sure that he was focused on the spiritual. Again, what he did is he quoted scripture. In fact, all three of these are quotations from Deuteronomy. You can look them up uh, later on. But as, as we look at this portion of scripture, Jesus responded to the temptation of Satan dealing with the lust of the flesh by quoting scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, that strategy didn't work, so he moved on to a second. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. The pinnacle of the temple was built right on the wall, so we're talking about the height of the temple as well as the height of the wall. It was really, really high. And said to him, if you're the son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written. Satan used scripture as well. Did you know that that he tries to deceive us? He comes across as an angel of light, and he uses scripture sometimes to make us do what's wrong. That's why we we need to rightly divide the word of truth. And Satan said, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. It's a quotation from Psalm. But Jesus responded by saying, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, if he threw himself off of the pinnacle of the temple and the angels caught him and he didn't die, anybody that was looking, and probably there would have been a lot of people looking, uh, quite often he was followed by multitudes. They would have said, wow, this is amazing. This, This must be the Son of God. And he was the son of God. He deserved to be worshipped and praised, but not at this particular time and not in this particular mode. Satan wanted him to do something which was inappropriate and not according to the will of God. He wanted him to take things into his own hand rather than waiting on God's timing. But Jesus responded by saying, it is written. He quoted scripture, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. This was dealing with the pride of life, the opportunity for people around him to look at him and think, wow, he is something else. But Jesus was not taken in by this strategy of Satan either. Well, he did it again. Verse number eight, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus deserved all of these things. I mean, he created everything, did he not? And he was the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. He deserved to have all of these things. But what Satan wanted him to do was, again, to move apart from God's will and to take things into his own hand and take authority. What Jesus did is he waited for God to give him the authority. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. This was the lust of the eyes, looking at all the kingdoms of the world and the opportunity to be in control of all of them. But Jesus did not give in to the temptation of Satan. Instead, he quoted scripture. And he said, you shall not worship. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Well, 
at that point, the devil left him and angels came and ministered to Jesus. You note that the angels came and ministered to Jesus after he had been tempted. I think that sometimes we want divine help in regard to God taking away our circumstances before we come through our circumstances. Instead, we need to recognize that a lot of times God lets us go through tough times and then what he does is he takes care of us. He ministers to us. But Jesus responded to temptation by quoting scripture. And we can overcome temptation as well as we quote scripture. And as I was preparing this lesson, I had about four more points about overcoming temptation. But I decided I would save them because we have the Lord's Supper today. I didn't think y'all wanted to be here for another hour or so because that's probably about how long it would take to, to do it justice. But there is one more point that I would like to make. Not only can we overcome temptation as we quote Scripture, but we can also resist the devil. Notice verse number 10. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall save. He, he said to Satan, Away with you. Now, I think we need to be careful how we talk to Satan. I don't think we need to be cavalier. Even Michael was not quick to, to rebuke Satan. He said, The Lord rebuke you. But I do think that we need to resist Satan. What's the opposite of resisting Satan? Basically giving in to Satan. Allowing Satan to have his way. We need to resist Satan. There are two portions of scripture that are mentioned under that. They're basically for you to read this week. Because next week, Lord willing, we're going to be talking about resisting the devil. And then the following week, we're going to talk about the other four ways that we overcome temptation. Uh, but as, as we think about resisting the devil, verse number 11 says, then the, angel, the, then the devil left him. Behold, angels came and ministered to him. We can resist the devil. We can stand up to him. We don't have to give in to him or give in to his temptation. Like I said, we'll talk about that more later on. Probably what we need to focus on is that all of us face temptation. Satan knows the buttons to push. But when we are tempted, when we quote scripture, when we say it is written, that makes all of the difference in the world. You can end up with a verse that's familiar with you. Psalm 119, verse number 11. You probably learned it when you were a child. You might have learned it in the King James Version. This is what it says. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How many of you memorized that when you were a kid? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If we want to overcome temptation, then one of the things that we need to do, whether we're a child or whether we are in our 60s, 70s, 80s, we need to hide God's word in our hearts so that we cannot sin against God. And when the tempter comes along and tries to get us to do what is wrong through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, then what we can do is we can quote scripture that we have learned and use it to overcome temptation. Because quite often the way to escape that God gives us is the utilization 
of God's Word. We started off talking about the the fact that God wants us to fulfill all righteousness, to please the Father. That's what we talked about last week. We're only going to do that as we overcome temptation. And one of the best ways to overcome temptation temptation is by hiding God's Word in our heart so that we can quote Scripture. This is something most of us know already. And some of us might be thinking, well, this is boring. But I think sometimes we need to be reminded of the basics. Sort of like Vince Lombardi when he started off the season, held up a football and said, this is a football, gentlemen. We need to recognize that if we want to overcome temptation then we need to memorize God's Word so that we can quote Scripture just like the Lord Jesus did. We'll go, like I said, go ahead and talk about resisting the devil next week and other ways that we can overcome temptation. But this week, let's think about the fact that we need to hide God's Word in our hearts so that we keep from sinning against Him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, We're about to partake of the Lord's Supper. And that symbolizes what Jesus did for us. He died. He was buried. He rose again. His body was broken. His blood was shed. So that we might have everlasting life. We thank you that we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Because if Jesus had given in to temptation then he would not be a a sinless sacrifice. We're thankful for the example of Jesus, for the help of Jesus as we undergo temptation. And we're thankful for what Jesus did, for the opportunity to remember what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.